Baby, yo, what's up, homie? It's Buck. You know, we was living just enough, you dig? The story gotta get told right. Yeah. Uh, born in the loop, I'ma get it too Any streets doing what I gotta do Renegade, I'm only fucking with the few So low, no red or blue Nigga been exposed to this drama I'ma trap the pack and try to help my mama White girl, I'm fucking with Madonna Ten toes down, that's my persona I'm in Cashville, shit mad real Never thought I'd see the day that I have to kill Locked up, niggas must squeal Got a 50 year sentence, I have to live Still strong in prison, no affiliation 12 years and I just made parole Back out here and I done been patient what? Now it's time that my story's told They call me Baby O The hearing Today is September 26, 2005 The Board of Probation and Parole This is Charles Trauer Chair of the Board of Probation and Parole Is considering board level cases At CBCX Site 2 Which is formerly NCSC this is a case of Mr. Tristine J. Buckner, case number 255804. Good morning, Mr. Buckner. Good morning, Mr. Trump. And you're serving a total sentence of 50 years out of Montgomery County for the crime of second degree murder that occurred on about January the 18, 1995. And according to the Department of Correction, you rest about the same day, and you served 10 years and about eight months. Is that correct? Yes, sir. The court set your release eligibility percentage for what, 30 or 40, 35, 30%. And 30% of 50 years is how many years? 15. You have numerous visits with you today, and you've been represented today by counsel, Mr. Walter Searcy of the National Department of Searcy. Good and morning, Mr. Trogger. You have your mother, uncle, first cousin, brother, first cousins, and parents in prison, Ms. Lingo, inside, and, and uh, family friends and other friends. And you will be given an opportunity to address the board during the hearing. And we may ask uh, that if we have so many, that if you want to have uh, some uh, representatives to speak, that's fine. But if you just feel as though you want to say something, somebody else may not have said it. If you want to say that, that would be fine too when we get to that part. Now, this is. You had a previous hearing or not? This is your first hearing, yet. First hearing, sir. You are from, I pre-reviewed the case. We pre-review all the cases, so we have some information about you. But I may ask you some things that I already know, just to try to reconfirm what I've already pre-reviewed. Now, the crime happened in Montgomery County. Yes, are sir. you from Clarksville, Arizona? No, I'm not, sir. Where are you from? Um, originally from East St. Louis, Illinois. How far did you go when you were going to school? College. A year and a half, Arkansas State University. Where are you going to major in? Pre-law. What happened? I withdrew my second year. I got burnt out. And I was cutting a lot of hair, and I didn't want to, you know, neglect school when I know I have to pay it back eventually anyway. So I withdrew my second year, and my mother had relocated to Clarksville, and I relocated to Clarksville after I withdrew and started barber school, which is something that I had loved doing. So you started cutting hair? Yes, sir. 
do that. No prior juvenile criminal record. No prior juvenile. Do you have any prior adult criminal record before these offenses? Yes, sir. I had, yes, sir. I had um, one um, burglary charge. And what did the court do with that? Uh, probation. And did you complete that probation? Yes, sir. Were you required to make restitution on your burglary? No, sir. What did you burglarize? It was an apartment. Why did you do it? I was hanging with the wrong guys, and I, I was just a follower. I was a follower, and I was a part of it. There was no prior reason just to get something that I didn't have that wasn't mine, try to change something that wasn't mine. So I hang with the wrong guys. You were the wrong guy. I thought you were doing wrong. Can't put it on you. Let me tell you what the district attorney says and the investigator, the tech investigator says. This is a letter dated September 8, 2005. District Attorney General Montgomery County, 19th Judicial District, John Carney, Jr. He says he recommended you not be paroled. Make this recommendation based upon the fact that it occurred on 1-18-95 on New Providence Boulevard here in Clarkson. Mr. Buckner had gotten into a verbal altercation with the deceased, Demetrius Wright, and others prior to the shooting. He left the area, went to his home, and returned with three weapons. He pulled up beside the vehicle where burning four others were riding. The area where the incident occurred is one of the most congested in Clarkson. Montgomery County was within a school zone just prior to school dismissing. Not only did Bernie shoot and kill Buckner, shoot and kill Bernie, he also wanted two other occupants in the vehicle and two or three other vehicles were shot up by the gunfire. It was a miracle that other innocent people were not killed or seriously injured. I received a letter dated July 7, 2005 from Mr. Buckner pertaining his parole hearing. I've attached a copy of the letter to you and members of the board to read if you desire. I hope that he's doing all of the things he said in his letter. However, it is in no way sway my opinion as to his release. The crime Mr. Buckner committed was extremely violent and was premeditated. These crimes and the devastation it caused the victim of these families cannot be measured. The trauma called out community and overwhelming and was against the peace and dignity of the state. I know I can speak for Assistant Clark from Montgomery County making this request to not grant Mr. Buckner parole. And he said he can't attend the parole hearing today. Mr. Uh, the detective who investigated the case. He said I've investigated many homicides to include the death of Demetrius Buckner who died on January 1895 while riding the vehicle on Providence Boulevard in our city. He was unmercifully gunned down by inmate Tristan J. Buckner. Not only was Buckner killed, was, uh, not only was Bernie killed, but also two other people in the vehicle were shot and so forth. A total of five people were in the car. This occurred in the daylight hours within the school zone close to the time kids were departing school. Buckner fired several rounds. Buckner, using a salt type weapon, had a shotgun and a handgun in the vehicle with him. You were loaded for barrel weapons. Several other cars were hit with bullets and other persons narrowly escaped death by injury. Buckner did this unprovoked from his victim because of an earlier verbal altercation. Had no regard for the life of the intended victim, nor did he have any regard for innocent persons or children in the area. This occurred in heavily populated so forth so on. So you get the message.
living just enough. I'm a survivor of the system. Despite the pitfalls seen and unseen that lie therein, I survive. I am able to share my story with such acuity because I am the anomaly of the confined felon sort. I was on a road to higher education before the shortcut that took me behind the walls. I was able to cultivate the skills that I had begun to learn at Tennessee State University as an inmate speaker while incarcerated. The numbers do not lie, and sadly, there is compelling data that clearly indicates that an astounding number of incarcerated individuals never finish high school or have a chance to attend university, technical college, or vocational school. The prison industry complex is not designed for rehabilitation, renewal, or rebirth. It is a cannibalistic machine that is never satisfied. Human that participate in its soul-devouring endeavors, knowingly or unwillingly, assists the machine in perpetuating itself. I liken it to a pressure-filled maze that punishes good and bad decisions alike. The impact of my daily decisions was not lost on me. My guiding principles was to survive. The real-life nightmare of that experience plays out in my mind's eye daily. This is one of the many symptoms of post-traumatic stress and institutionalization that can plague insiders when they leave inside. I know the rare few will have an opportunity to acquire the useful life skills that helped me before they get inside. There is even a smaller number of the formerly incarcerated demographics that will have a chance to display those skills. Transitioning from being labeled a violent offender by the state to becoming a successful business owner and an integral part of the same community that would see me thrown away into the institution trash bin is no small feat. The aim of my offering is to begin a conversation about the culture, environmental circumstances, um, consequences, and the effect of incarceration on the community as a whole. It is my hope that I can share my experiences with objectivity and be a source of not just knowledge but comfort. I am not just sharing this for consumption by the confined. This is for the mother that answers the phone call of her incarcerated child. This is for the spouse that is charged with being happily married to someone that is not around. This machine and its operators have led to the demise of countless humans. A cacophony gone unheard. I am their voice. The whole of the community is in peril. My goal is to help them survive. Chapter 1, MTRC. Eight of us was woken up at sunrise. The sound of the county jails, jail cell bars opening immediately wakes you up if it's not your court date or unit recreation time. The guard footsteps could be heard from the early a.m. silence inside Blue 2, one of the units I was assigned to during my three-year stretch for fighting for my life in Montgomery County Jail. Damn, I had been there longer than anyone awaiting trial. That was surely would have resulted in me uh, writing this from a prison cell and not from a bedroom at my home. In 2021, I was to be an example, a sacrifice 
of what violent crime could get you when two homicides happen a day apart prior to you doing the same dumb shit. The third day, City Hall called a meeting about the violence that was happening in Clarksville, Tennessee, January 1995, during that time. My actions became the tipping point, and it was very unfortunate for me, even though I had the slightest idea to what extent. The guards slipped in when the bars opened completely and said, Buckner, pack it up, and handed me three trash bags to pack my belongings I'd acquired over three years plus stint in the county jail. Ironically, I looked to my left over my shoulder and it's a blank look on my face as well as a dead silence as we stood in a small group. Me and Kenny make eye contact and it was a brief look. Then our eyes slowly drifted away from the stare. I can't believe they got me going to prison in the county jail after three years of fighting my case on the same van with the nigga I shot five times, shot his brother three times, and his partner two times, and he died. What type of setup shit is this? You know, that's, that's all going through my mind. We had prior communications through mail which no one knew about, in-house mail. Surprising, he apologized for what he did, and I did likewise, but I didn't trust him, and I was lying like a motherfucker, honestly. <laughs> I knew the streets, so I had no intentions of being rocked to sleep with a fig leaf. I had caused too much damage. I knew I'd be... Listening to all of that, what would get me to that point? What type of upbringing did I have to make me grab a gun and make the decision to fire into a car and someone actually die from the incident as well as others being hurt, which was one of the stupidest things I've ever done in my motherfucking life, if not, I think the stupidest thing I've ever done in my life. And as um, I ask myself, you know, and I'm sure people sometimes gauge what type of life did you have? You know, where did you come from? You know, what was your upbringing? And um, honestly, I'm from Madison, Illinois, East St. Louis originally, but I lived in Madison doing grade school as well. And um, coming up, we experience a lot, you know, especially St. Louis. It's visual, you know, it's um, it's hearing, all that. And outside of what we didn't participate in, because it's, I can't say we were a victim of um, our environment. We wasn't, we wasn't that type of person. We were um, exposed to a lot at a young age, but yet we didn't choose to do the things that they did. You know, nor live the life that they did. 
we actually wanted more. But in reality, our parents wanted more for us. My mother, which was a single parent, wanted more for us. And um, we had to do something in order to make sure that was satisfying. Because my mother, she was educated, thankfully. She's a school teacher. As long as I've known her, she's been a school teacher, you know, up until now. And um, she kind of kept us more so in line. She was a disciplinarian, you know, so she would whoop our ass and it would last probably about three months. So we really didn't do um, a, a lot in succession. We, we, it was stretched out how we did shit. So because we knew when we did get ass whooping, she would beat us and that shit felt like it was last forever, you know, honestly. So our uncles probably had a very pivotal role in um, the type of uh, attitude we had and the aggressiveness we had um, at a younger age. We we were kind of groomed like similar to damn pit bulls, to be honest. We wasn't um, taught to really be aggressors, but we were taught to protect ourselves at all costs. And if a term could be used, I could say it was a bully buster. <laughs> it was a bully buster because we wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't intentionally start anything, but if it jumped off and we were game for whatever, you know, and us coming from our upbringing and our, and our past, it made us even more game because we were groomed, you know, to, to, to fight, to protect ourselves, to, it don't matter, whatever, you know, and that's, that's, that, those are, are really, um, lifeless terms, it's whatever, that's a very lifeless term, because it's really not whatever, you know, we make it, we, we make it whatever, and, um, and when you start living life, you could pretty much exclude that, you know, exclude that out your vocabulary because it's not whatever. If it's whatever, you're going to um, hurt a lot of people and you're going to um, actually, um, you know, change a lot of people's lives from that whatever shit. So it's not whatever, to be honest, you know. But, um, you know, I, I was put in a situation that would be considered um, fight or flee, you know. You know, or fight or flight, whatever one you want to choose. And um, as I said before, we were groomed to fight. You know, unfortunately, the way this happened, it didn't get to that point. And I realize now, which is hindsight, that uh, I had options. And I'm hoping that the youth today realize they got options too, because a lot of them doing the same, the exact same ignorant, stupid shit that I did in 1995, January the 18th. They're doing it currently. But I've been blessed to be able to tell my story and, and, and let them know the, the effects of it on everybody and the community, the individuals, the families as a whole. And hopefully it would redirect their actions and maybe they would consider uh, using an option which is talking, which is possibly going to the police and, 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 and letting them know that you feel threatened or some shit. Something to put water on that fire. Because if you keep throwing Kindle, you know, and little pieces of wood and paper and shit in that fire, it's only going to get bigger. And that's how things start, you know? So 
me growing up, I really wasn't a, a violent. I was always smaller. My freshman year in high school, I weighed 96 pounds. I wrestled 98. I was like a fucking uh, midget. Somebody could burp me. And it was, <laughs> you know, it was unfortunate, but shit. I, hey, I didn't ask to be a little motherfucker, but I didn't have the Napoleon complex for, for some odd reason. I was blessed to not have that. Maybe because I had confidence. And the confidence went a long way with being a, a person of a, a shorter height, but not, you know, shorter stature. <laughs> you know, so um, it, it confidence came a long way with that. So throughout uh, my grade school years, I, I picked up confidence. And it was something that I don't know where it came from, but my mother being a single parent, I think she was the most confident thing I saw walking around the house because she would smack a motherfucker in the face. And she was just renegade. She she was different. She um, With her being a single parent with three boys, my mother had to be vicious, you know, to the point where we were scared of her, you know, because we know she would do something that 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 could that could hurt your ass and she wasn't playing so and i give you an example we live in chicago i lived in chicago as well went to high school in chicago i lived on the south side of chicago i went to calumet i went to harlan and i went to south shoe with three different high schools in chicago you know and i'll explain you know as time goes on why and and what for because i did a lot of transitioning you know but chicago really actually um opened me up and exposed me to a different um, side of um, uh, the violence or, or preparation for the violence, so to say, because I've, I've never been um, intrigued with gangs. It's something, you know, it's teacher's own. I've never been a part of a gang. You know, I never, um, I, I hung around them. I kicked it with them in Chicago, Vice Lords, Gangs Disciples, uh, and, and MCs, so forth. But um, I've never got down, you know? I kicked it with them in prison. But yet, I never got down. It just didn't interest me that much, you know. And it, like I said, it's teacher's own. And if it, I've seen in some cases where an individual joined a gang, and a, I, I saw a positive outcome come where his attitude as well as his drive changed, you know. And I saw a lot of negative shit. Now, at this point in time, it's more negative shit than positive shit, you know, across the board, you know. And, um, and I think it comes from a lot of the younger generation. They they have a lot of fuckery in their heart. And um, I don't think they um, get it that, like I said, I did that pull up in traffic, catching somebody, quote unquote, slipping whatever the fuck y'all say, the terms you say, lacking. And I opened fire in broad daylight on the car with a Tech 9 semi-automatic gun. I had a pump shotgun in the car and I had a 25 automatic in my back pocket. What the fuck was I thinking? And I'm thinking now, I've seen on the news even recently where a young man is shot in a car. He's killed a man and killed a child. And I'm like, what the fuck would drive a person to shoot in a car, even though you might be beefing or it's a situation and you know it's a child in the car and that child dies, that's that would be the worst fucking feeling in my life. I, oh, wow. I would be totally fucked up. And as I said, I 
did that fuckery. I could have did that same stupid shit. Because why? The car had limo tinted windows. I couldn't see shit in that car outside of a silhouette. So for me to do what I did, I try not to, you know, throw too much mud because I'm just as dirty as them. You know, I'm just here to explain, you know, and be honest, because most of them will will, will stand on their pride and stand on their um, their toughness of their ego or their head. I ain't standing on none of that shit. I'm being real. I was locked up for almost 13 years for that stupid ass shit. But as I said, I'm blessed to be here to talk about it. If I did that same stupid shit today, I would never get out of prison. Just like these young brothers who are doing that same stupid shit today, they'll never get out of prison. And they don't even get that shit. I'm one of the blessed ones. I know I'm blessed. I'm not a holy roller. I'm not a Bible thumper. But I know for 100% of fact, I'm blessed like a motherfucker. Because listening to the letters of protest from the DA as well as the detective, that sounds like some first 48 type shit. Even though that's not even a story in totality, it gives you a different mindset of what occurred because if you watch the TV show First 48 and you listen to the detective speak, in your mind, they're telling the truth. They're not fucking lying. That's how society thinks. They don't think that a detective or a DA will fucking lie or add to. And they will. They'll put some B12 some shit and blow it up as well. You know, in order to get the public attention. It's all wordplay. So I was said to act out because of a verbal altercation. Now, it's a goddamn lie. Blatantly. That's a fucking lie, okay? Now, I, it's a blessing that I'm here to tell the truth and the story. Because as I said, some people's some people are in jail right now. And probably was a lot innocent in my ass. And and they'll never get to tell that story. They might have had a botched trial. They might have a bogus attorney. They, it might have been a, a straight railroad. You never know. But they'll never get to tell their story outside of a book if they write in prison and they get released and, 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 and published. But that's a that's a very rare thing. You have to be on death row and, and with somebody with a, a notoriety like uh, a, a, a Tukey, you know, which 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 was a crip, you know, big brother that was, that, that was locked up from L.A. It, it's impossible. If you don't have notoriety like that, it's fucking impossible. You know, once you go to prison, people, even though you don't seem like it in reality, people life go on they forget about your ass okay they forget about you you know not at heart just at mind they forget about your ass you might be in their heart but you're no longer in fucking mind you know because you're not a part of the rotation anymore you know things have changed for you and you when we get in prison we get selfish we become the I and me um, generation because, you know, I need help, you know, 
you know, me need love, all this old stupid ass shit, you know, because it, it, it turns into a selfish minded person, really. Prison can turn you into a very selfish person because a lot of people are reluctant to accept responsibility why the fuck they're there in the first place. So that already puts you as a victim, even though you're there and you didn't victimize some motherfucker, you know, it puts you in the realm of a victim. And I can say it because I felt that way for a fucking hot second until reality kicked in. And I realized I'm no fucking victim. I victimized some people. How the fuck am I a victim? And I shot three people. How the fuck, how the fuck, I kills, how the fuck am I a victim? Because I'm in prison with 50 years. How the fuck am I a victim? I was there rightfully so. And I can't even argue the fact. Honestly, I can't even argue the fucking fact. I was there rightfully so. I'm not here to try to argue like, no, I would, no, no. No, I'm not one of them uh, freedom fighter motherfuckers that say they innocent and all. I'm not innocent by far. You know, that I'm not. But God knew the situation and that's what changed it. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here in society talking to you about this story. You know, and expounded on it in any type of way outside of a 15 minute telephone call in prison. So, as I said, Chicago, it, it was, it was, it was, it, it opened me up and it, and let me know what I didn't want to be a part of. Because before I moved to Chicago, gangs in, in East St. Louis and Madison, they really, they, they weren't a major factor at all. They weren't a major, they weren't a factor, period. You know, it, it trickled down. Uh, Gangster Disciples and Vice Lords trickled down from Chicago. Bloods and Crips trickled from L.A., Colorado to St. Louis and um, it was a lot of just you know people who may have gotten locked up from Chicago which considered the land as well as LA depending on your crippled blood and got locked up and they start putting people down you know if they if they were legit you know and on the books they start people putting people down shit and it, it, it's it's for gangster disciples and vice lords, they did their own thing. You know, Crips and Bloods did their own thing. I was never an internal factor in that shit. So I'm not one to really speak major on it because I try to stay the fuck away from it. You know, I let them do them, you know, just speaking re realistically. You know, and I respect everybody. Shit, Aaron, whatever the fuck you do, I respect it. You can be Aaron, you can be whatever. I respect what you do. That's what you do. It has not a damn thing to do with me, okay? I respect what you do. It has nothing to do with me, though. And I don't give a fuck about it in most cases. But I respect what you do. Because you feel a significance in your heart and in your mind to follow that bullshit. And it's okay. It might help you in ways that it don't help me. And it's okay. It might direct you in ways that don't direct me. And it's okay. I accept this, you know, who I am. I accept who I'm not. You know? So, currently today, most of these young rappers... Everybody's affiliated. And I'm like, motherfuck. Everybody want to be a gang member now. Why can't you just be a talented motherfucking neutral? I was a renegade. I didn't give a fuck. I fought vice laws. I fought area. I, 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 didn't, I didn't care about that situation or what you was. It wasn't the title that intrigued me. You know what I mean? I didn't give a fuck about that. You know? Because if I got into it, my target is the person. It ain't the gang, it's the person. Even though the gang might help him, but 
I've established myself. That's one thing I learned to do in prison. I learned to establish myself where people respected me as an individual. When they respect you as an individual, it's like very less likely that you'll get jumped if you get into an issue with a gang member. If the leader respects you as well as other gang members respect you and me being a barber, you know, I had to learn to uh, set, set, the, set the tone of how I wanted to be treated. You know, I couldn't I couldn't let nobody chump me off, whether it was for noodles or stamps. I couldn't let that shit ride because that would be the beginning of something that would be totally fucked up for me and a path that would be uh, a lot of take <laughs> or me giving, you know what I'm saying, in order to uh, get by. And that's not the life I wanted to live. So and it's never been me any in the first place. So uh, in my mom's eyes, I'm a baby boy. I'm a baby boy. So when I came to prison, you know, my, my, you know, when that stuff happened, my mother, my mother, I'm a baby boy. She, I, I, that hurt me more than anything because I knew I changed her life because in her mind, I'm her baby and she thinking she can protect me or mother think they can protect their kid at all costs. They think they can protect their child at all costs. They think they can shelter them. They think they can move a million times to get them away from trouble and drama. And realistically, you can't if some of that shit is in your son. You just move them around to find some different shit to get into. And I don't think most single parents realize that because they'll flee a situation before they have their son fighting a situation. And it's bad, but they... That's a protection. That's the protection of a mother. It's unconditional love. You know, even though her son with the fuckery, you know, she, she, that's her baby. You know, she thinks, hey, I can't let nothing happen to my baby. We got to move. We got to get the fuck up out of here. And if it's getting violent and the crime is going up and he happens to be, um, or, or, you know, the person has happened to be a part of it, or she sees that, that he, uh, has a capability of being a part of that shit, you know, she gonna pack that shit up and fly. And I've been in a situation like that where my mother packed it up and fly because she wanted to get us out of the uh, living conditions we were in. And um, I'll go further into the living conditions because I've been in some very uh, intricate situations, you know, with living conditions. And people looking at me would never realize that. You know, people don't, people take you for face value but they don't know what's behind that face. They don't know. Um, they don't know the the journey you took to get to where you you're at in life. Uh, some it's easy, you know. Some is a little hard. But I'm not here to say it made me better than anybody else or anything like that. It just made me me, and I can accept that. You know, I don't uh, try to compare and contrast myself with anybody. I just try to be the best Tristan I can be. You know, because I I. I I, I'm, I'm happy if someone knows something that I don't know. So that means I have an opportunity to learn something new. I don't, I don't, I've never in life wanted to find my niche because that would stop me from actually um, trying different things and, um, and venturing out. And my mind ticks real fast. It keeps going. And I, I like to try different things. I like to actually um, challenge myself. And if I ever found my niche, I think my challenge will be gone. So I don't want to find a niche. I want to continue to challenge myself to do different things and, um, and, and, 
and challenge uh, my internal brightness and see, you know, see how I could um, help people in the in 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 the best way. Because I didn't, I've hurt people in the worst way, and um, after you've caused hurt, is is only right if you have any type of heart or mindset or godliness in your stupid ass to um, make somebody smile or be a blessing to something or someone you know, in this world, you know, because, um, being a part of the, uh, bad picture is never good. It looks, looked upon in a bad eye, a shun in a bad eye is never good. When you walk in a courthouse and you're going from the county jail to the courthouse. Oh, let me, my experience personally, I'm walking from the county jail to the courthouse. I feel as though my life is in the palm of somebody else's hand and it's not mine. The judge is possibly the closest thing that um, I, I I had to God, you know, it, that was that was a physical, the physical touch, you know, to me while I was in prison. And it's fucked up to say that, but he had my life in his hands. The, the judge had my life in his hands. And for a person to have your life in their hands is a really fucked up feeling because you're no longer in control of things. And most people, most men, most women as well in some cases, we love to be in control of things as well as especially our lives. We love to be in control of our lives. We love to to um, um, dictate our next move on our own. We don't like to be redirected or directed away that would uh, that would dictate our move. So when you're in prison and you're actually um, uh, you're in a controlled environment, you know what time you will be going to lunch. You know what time your ass will be working out. You know what time your ass will be going to work and getting off every day of your life. Like clockwork, this shit never changes unless it's a lockdown or some type of alter, altercation that happened, and they and they close down or, or, or modify the hours, and they'll tell you over a big speaker. So you'll always be notified in life. That's one thing about prison for the motherfuckers who don't like to get up and and, and have their mama wake them up and shit. You know, you know. Matter of fact, they, if there's any you know younger uh, uh, adults listen to me, please, if you the type. That your mother got to wake your ass up for school. And you know damn well you got to be somewhere in the morning. I promise you, if you with that fuckery, that bullshit, and you go to prison, you ain't got to worry about your mama to wake you up. They got somebody to wake you up every day of your fucking life. And tell you when to go to sleep, too. You ain't got that part yet. You ain't got to that yet. Mama tell you when to wake up, she don't tell you when to go to sleep. You know, unless you're a little bitty baby. But when you 15, 20... 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, and a motherfucker telling you when to go to sleep. That's a different type of lifestyle. They telling you when to get up. They telling you when breakfast is. You got an option. You can go eat breakfast or not go. It's on you, motherfucker. But your breakfast time ain't going to change unless it's just a, a shift in the units. If they feed the bottom first and feed you next. So for the younger brothers who with that that. Oh, that fuckery like I was you know or on that same stupid shit like I was realize as I keep telling you I can't put enough emphasis on this shit I'm here to talk about it and it's a blessing your ass won't be you'll be talking to a motherfucker in a jail cell 
tell them the story about how you did what you did. And as y'all motherfuckers say, on God, <laughs> shit, <laughs> on God, I'm not motherfucking lying. You will be hid. They will throw away the key. You know, and you and it's constantly going on, and I don't see the fucking. I think the kids are miss, missing emotional support. A lot of these young kids are fucking emotionally unsound, and I think they react off emotions. Because I've never seen so many young kids, young boys shoot young girls. That shit is fucking. That is like a fucking out of out of out of mind to me. I'm like, wow, what is what is it about the gun picking up the gun that makes you seem like you're the ultimate person now? And most of the motherfuckers weigh 115 pounds, 125 pounds, and got a gun. With a trackable stock and bigger than them in their damn drawers. You don't know how the fuck it even got there or how to period. You know, they good with that shit now hanging them oh, Extended clips with drums on them. How the fuck you had that in your pants? Y'all got me on that now. That shit got me on. I don't know how y'all do that shit. You know, and I really not even interested in it, but y'all motherfuckers do it. Y'all good at that shit. Now, back back to what I was saying. You you drive around with shit that you couldn't even throw out the car. That's the stupidest shit in the world. And then every video, most of the videos I see or saw old videos of Chicago, you know, especially drill rappers who, you know, were with that shit, you know, with that shit. They always drove around three, four deep in the car, you know, to do to do some dirty work. That that ain't then y'all videotape the shit. Oh, man, this shit is getting out of hand. Everything is about kill, kill for no reason. Even the the young rich brothers, young rich rappers. And this is really fucking, this really gets to me. You brothers financially get on, okay? You get the fuck on. Bless them, man. Bless them. I'm proud of you motherfuckers. Believe that. You know what I mean? Because I've always said, if I had you motherfucking opportunity like y'all got, I wouldn't be spending a hundred goddamn thousand dollars with Johnny Dang. I tell you that. And I ain't got nothing against Johnny Dang. Do your thing, brother, with the jury. But as I said, I wouldn't be spending a hundred, a quarter of a fucking million dollars, hundred thousand dollars on some goddamn jury. After I done hit a lick for a million legally. What the? F- I, and I understand that it's how society rolls. It's the visual. It's it's the norm. It's what rappers do. But that shit gonna have to change. Y'all have to think about longevity. Y- y'all set yourself up, get money, and you still straddle the fence with that fuckery. And don't realize that a lot of shit that you've done in the past will come back to haunt your ass. I don't give a fuck who you are, how much money you made, which way you position yourself in life. If you did enough fuckery or fuckery to the wrong person, it's going to come back and haunt your ass in the worst way. And it's bad. It might not even be that person. It might just be karma. And you had it going on. You're at the top of your game. You're a star. And the motherfucker took your shine plumb away. Knock that star plumb out the earth. You became a shooting star overnight, motherfucker. 
You became a shooting star, literally. And now you gone. And motherfuckers still listen to your rap. And most of the time, I pray your, your, your family still get money from your shit if you had to, you know, hard copies of all your shit. So this shit is so different now. And I'm hoping I could um, open the eyes and mind of some younger people, uh, young adults, to realize that life is a one-time shot. Okay? Guns don't protect you from getting shot. Okay? Guns don't protect you from dying. Okay? Guns don't do that. All right? You're not fucking Wonder Woman. Okay? You're not going to stop the bullet. Okay? So if you're a shooter, realize it's other shooters out there. Why live a life of constant paranoia where you're four blocks, five blocks radius from your so-called ops. Everybody want fucking ops. Now, what the fuck? Why would you, why, why you want opposition? Why, why, why can't you come together and make fucking money? Why, why can't you set that stupid shit aside for a hot second and make money? You know, really? And I know I'm getting a little bit off the topic, but that shit is like always weighed hard on me when it came to um, this fucking individuals, the young brothers who's getting on, on, on and dying, dying, dying. For what fucking reason? Nothing. No one's getting shot over money. No one's getting shot over some some, some serious shit. Nothing. They weren't protecting their lives. None of that. There wasn't no self-defense. None of that. They got shot over some internet, Twitter, uh, Instagram, Facebook, whole ass shit. And they arguing back and forth, FaceTiming and shit. And they think that is fucking cool. But you're actually arguing. You're arguing with murder, you know, on your mind. You got murder on your mind. You know, and this shit goes on for a lifetime because if you die, why? Your friends got to what? They got to, they got to fucking, they got to avenge you. Now y'all kill one of them. Y'all kept one of them, you know, creeping, kill one of them. Now what next? Got to fucking avenge them. Man, this shit going to go on for a motherfucking lifetime, bro. Come on. When y'all going to get some sense, man, and realize that it's a bigger picture. Y'all need to focus on your families, man, and getting out of conditions and situations you're in. You know, if rap can take you out of that situation, use it as a tool. But not as a goddamn tool for more uh, violence, you know. You can rap about violence, but don't, don't, don't. Why rap about some shit you just did yesterday? Rap about some shit that you made it through. You know, you're rapping about shit that you're currently doing. And you don't consider that straddling the fence or, or, or you think that shit really gonna last because you got that no cap life. No, you gonna catch some caps. Shit, motherfucker, that shit don't mean nothing. You no cap. You gonna catch some caps. Who gives a fuck? Nigga, sh- motherfucker shoot you without a second thought. Just like you shoot somebody else. A lot of you motherfuckers scared. A lot of you motherfuckers can't fight. So why even go there? But yet you'll pull a trigger though. 
you're a shooter, you're a killer, you're a slumper motherfucker. For no reason. You know? Out of hate of yourself. Could you hate yourself? How could you kill three, four, five people and not have some type of hate for yourself? And they're young black and you young and black. Or whatever, you know, nationality. I'm not being I'm not being judgmental. You can be young and Hispanic, young Latino, young Caucasian. Shit, don't matter. Death is death. You know, we're all human beings. So I'm non-judgmental when it comes to that shit. It's youth of all colors doing this stupid shit. I just target blacks because of their own. Because I'm black. What the fuck? And I took place. I actually took part firsthand in the same shit that they doing. Over 20 years ago. And I pray that I can get across to y'all that it's two lives being lost. The person you killed and yourself. Really. You might figure as though you get away with it, but most, like I say, if you're in that circle, what goes around comes around because most killers like to know, you know, like people to know that they're a killer. You know? You're not the mob, you know? That's, that's just how it is. It's interesting. But you motherfuckers, y'all like trophies. Y'all like people to know that y'all put in work. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's not. It's just. It's just. It's just a good way, of um, of 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 the, of, of help, helping the police get get them get them where they need to get your ass, you know. And trust me, I ain't just for the police, but I don't mind them doing their job. I look forward to them doing their job because I don't like that fucker either. I'm a grown ass man. I'm not with that shit no more. What I did was in 1995, January the 18th. What you did is 2021. I'm talking about it right now, and I'm out. Some of you motherfuckers will do that stupid shit and never get to talk about it again. Outside a 15-minute phone call, as much as you can get in to your people or to your to your, to your homeboys or homegirls. What the fuck you want to label it? No matter. Now, as I said, um, I kind of veered off the track, but you know, that's that that's just a part of it's it's always been a part of me. That's that's in me. I've been around a lot. I've been exposed to a lot and I've seen a lot and I've actually partaken in a lot too. And, uh, some shit, like I said, I'm, I'm, um, shit, I, I, I could, I, I wouldn't say, um, I'm ashamed of, of, of a lot of stuff I do. And I can't say that, you know, because I ain't just, I'm not a rotten motherfucker. I've did some things. Uh, but the, the 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 major thing that actually got me in prison primarily, I was in a position where it was um, fight or flight, and I chose the wrong choice because, as I said, and I'm continuing to beat this in your head, and it behooves you to listen. You have a choice before you do that shit. Don't go off anger. Don't go off mad. Don't go off emotions. Emotions will get your ass hit. Emotions will change the dynamics of your fucking life forever. A funky ass emotion. Because you were, what, three-letter word, mad. So what you do, you picked up a gun and you just lit the motherfucker up. Or you put in work. Or, you know, or it was get back. They hurt you because why they killed your homeboy. 
you know, think before you do that shit, okay, you know, some of y'all might be listening to me like, fuck that old nigga, and it's okay, <laughs> it's okay, because this old nigga free, remember that, your ass gonna be on the other side of the fence, you know, hoping a motherfucker send you a self-help book to make you think like me. Now, that's a little different because I know how the mentality of some people work, you know? Man, fuck that nigga. He ain't my daddy. Everything I'm saying, I'm talking about me too. So this is nothing like I'm talking to some young motherfucker or some uh, adult to some older person. I've been that same person as well. I've just changed shoes. That's it. I'm walking a different path. That's it. I've been that same motherfucker. I'm just walking a different path. And I'm sure I still got 1% of that motherfucker in me. Just 1%. You know, I got to keep at least 1% in me if need be. You just never know. Because <laughs> society is fucked up now. You know, and we as people are making it even more fucked up. With our actions, with our choices. So, with that, listening to the snippets of the audiobook, it gives you the 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 um, pretty much the mindset of 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 what type of person I was, or what type of person I I I I, I thought I was back then, because. It, it's some real, it's some real, you know, it, stupid shit, you know? And I'm thankful, as I said, that no innocent people were hurt. I didn't hit a child doing that stupid ass shit. Because one of the bullets struck other cars, and a child was in a car as well, and it struck the back of that car. And I'm thankful to God. I did not hit any innocent people, you know, in that situation. I, I'm thankful, really, because I've never got a chance to actually, you know, really expound on that. And um, I, for whomever here, I want to make sure that's clear. I'm very thankful, you know, that I did not hit any innocent people or hurt an innocent person with that fucking hell of gunfire that I did with a semi-automatic um machine gun like Tech 9 in traffic and as I said I it happens so fast it's hard to gauge things after it happened once it happens the only thing you're thinking about now is what's next and I had no what's next because it was a deputy sheriff at the light saw the whole fucking thing my what's next was jail that was my what's next you know, and um, I, I, I sat there and um, and I fought for three years in the county jail for my life because I was in some very bad situations in prison, which, you know, I'll talk about, you know, in episodes to come where um, I was actually, you know, scheduled for trial and I had the slightest idea. You know, first time in Clarksville history, double murder trial. Tristan Baby O'Buckner 
and Donald Duck Brewer. You can pull it up. Go to the archives. That's the things that I talk about. You can look it up. I can't make this shit up. And if you can't look it up, I have the paperwork for you. I can show you. I have the archives to everything I talk about. I have written out calendars, at least eight to nine, ten years in prison that I handwritten out. It was all pretty much like a journal. So the audiobook, which is still in works, which I hope to be finished soon, it's very accurate. It's very accurate. And all the way down to the temperature. I got I got that shit from the almanac. It's very accurate. It's very accurate. So for those who choose to do your math or do your research and want to see the legitimacy of anything, I I actually um, I, I I can make the challenge easier for you. You know, just uh, comment and and if you need me to send something or forward it to you concerning that, I won't I won't be opposed to it at all. You know because. It could be something that could help someone in your family. It could be something that can help yourself. So I'm all for actually um, helping the next person from um, what I've done. I use it as a stepping stone to um, help the youth guide their life and let and, and, and hopefully instilling them, you know, um, things of, of, of good nature like myself now and, and get them away from that fuckery, you know, because uh, you have to grow at some point in, in life and I'll prefer you to grow on the streets and in prison because it's a different type of growth that you're going to grow in prison. It's going to be a stunning growth because you're going to, you're, you're, you're actually, it's almost suspended animation. You know, most kids that go into prison or, or juvie and they 16, 13, 14, if they're there for a long period of time, their emotional stability is stunning. So if they're 15, 16, and they act like a little fucking kid, and they huff and puff and violence is their only outtake on um, an answer, when they get 35, if they've still been incarcerated majority of their life, they'll still have that same emotional outbreak and outtake on things, as well as outlook, because your emotions, that's one thing in prison that don't really mature, that's your emotional stability. That's something you have to work on as an individual. It does not mature. Only only you, your age, your body, you know, shit like that mature. You know, but you have to, um, you have to work your mind and mature your emotional stability because otherwise you'll fall to the wayside. And, and it's not hard. It's not hard. It's not hard at all. But as I said, um, with this episode I'm going to close and in the next episode what I'm going to do I'm going to um, actually get into my upbringing as a youth and in and and how a lot of things played a part and me acting the way I did and me um, looking at white life the way I did and I want to actually dig a little deep because in me by me talking is actually healing as well and i think the more i talk the more it open up doors for me to learn more things about myself and um and and, and it's and it's cool it's cool because i i, I, I as i said i sometimes always challenge myself and i, I want to continue to grow you know but my bigger picture is to help other people grow from um from what i've experienced and derail 
some of that fuckery that's in some of these young brothers and sisters mind uh, and let them know the um, the outcome of their actions and how the domino effect and how who all it affects and how seriously it is into what totality because I don't think it's looked at as something being serious because some of these young kids have a very heartless demeanor and they don't realize after 10 years of being in prison and all that good old tough shit goes down the drain and they're sitting there crying and shit wondering next 10 years you'll be wondering could I still appeal this shit but in reality a lot of people don't want to open up Pandora's box after you got back in prison well, if you're in prison you don't want to go through all of the appeals and all that type stuff it, it rehashes everything it's almost like it starts from scratch again and it's it's kind of really mentally fucked up because you don't you're not the only person going through it your family goes through it as well the person who's trying to hire your appeal attorney goes through it as well the people who's trying to put up money you know to uh, save your life is going through it as well and it's an ongoing saga the people possibly trying to get you a bond is going through it as well it's a lot that going through and you're just sitting there waiting to be motherfucking rescued you know but um it's it's, it's interesting as i said i hope that um something i say during this podcast will touch someone or open someone's uh eyes to a different way of uh approaching things especially a young adult and um and if you're a parent you know and have a son that's going through something you know uh feel free to inbox me you know, uh, leave a message and I'll, I'll, I'll make sure I reply, you know, and give you the best answer I possibly can, you know, uh, concerning, you know, a, a, a solution, because that's what we're about. We understand the problem. I've been a part of the problem and I want to be a part of the solution. So um, feel feel free to contact me if there's a father, if there's a grandparent, you know, whomever it may be. If there's an individual that's going through something theirself, which is a young adult, feel free to um, contact me you know, within one of these social media uh, means. And um, I will be surely, you know, sure to um, reach out and see however I can help you concerning the situation. Because I know a lot of people are um, alien to the penal system and how things work. And um, and you're scared. A lot of parents are scared when their child is, 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 is messed up, you know. And that's something we... Um, we don't want to see, you know, we all, we all want to see our kids do better than us. That's, that's the goal. You know, we want to see them prosper, you know, regardless of what our life is, we want to see them propel and do better than us. That's the, that's the key, you know, and, um, that's, that's a, a nice margin of success to push your child to be better than you. You know, he doesn't have to be like you. He has to be you. You know, let your let let your child be them, but at the same time, push them to be the best they can be as an individual. Um, and and with that, um, I have an open door. You know, to whomever needs some assistance concerning that or something concerning the penal system and, and needs to reach out 
and ask questions because as I said, I know it's stressful and sometimes you don't have anybody to talk to concerning that or anybody who won't shoot straight with you. You know, and most and, and, and speaking of in most cases attorney because he's gonna throw you all type of fucking sliders and curveballs because he's trying to get paid, you know, and I can't knock his profession, but you know, attorneys and car salesmen and yeas they some good line motherfuckers. So, you know, nothing personal, you know. If the shoe fit, get a matching purse, motherfucker. So with that being said, um, I, I pray all is well. And I look forward to um, sharing my upbringing with you all in a way that would be um, informational, you know, and helpful to somebody. I don't want it to be just a rigmarole story. Every, everyone is listening to what I has to say, have I have to say, and what I've said has a story to tell as well. And um, it may differ from mine. It may be more extreme than mine. Who knows? You know, but I'm not here to just tell you a story in that manner. I'm here to give you something, a story, but it has to have a positive ending a positive connotation something you can grasp from it and apply to life otherwise I would really be wasting my time you know because I've, I've been through too much not to be able to be transparent and share my life I'm here to talk about it so why not talk and I'm sure I will be bringing people on the show as well that will be open to talking about their life and transparency and they've all been incarcerated before and primarily have businesses and so forth and, and, and that's a segment that I might add as well, which will be um, um, felons, you know, and put a spotlight on felons that actually have business so we can actually promote their businesses because, you know, it's a lot of people doing good, such as myself on a barber shop, Tristan's Barber, you know, shop in Nashville, downtown Nashville area. And I'm, I'm, I'm doing very well. I'm not, you know, um, complaining about anything. It's a blessing. You know, I have a great clientele. I have a, um, and, and, and I can consider them friends and family in some shapes and forms so um I'm, I'm 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 happy with the situation that uh god has put me in you know and i just need the leg work that's it i just need a little more direction and i this is the, you know this is a, a drop of water in the ocean i'm just getting started so i'm just trying to i'm just trying to step out of my box and actually share my life which i've been out since October the 1st, 2007, I have shared my life in various ways, but not to the point of uh, transparency um, and felt comfortable with it where, you know, I'm just ready to go ahead and help somebody and make sure that this shit is out there and someone learns um, the um, consequences, you know, behind your actions, as well as that you have choices before you make that action, you know, and end up fucked up like I was. But as I said, I'm ready to talk about it. And you won't be in closing. I look forward to um, each one of you. Please like, share, you know, pass on if you think it's something relevant to the next person or family. You know, please do so. I know it's a little explicit content, but I had to speak um, with non-politically correct terms in order to just be me. I'm not, um, as I said, I'm not, this is not a... Um, uh, this is not a Bible study. This is reality. This is my life. This is real talk. This is stuff that I won't be able to make up, can't make up, and and, and there's no need to make up. I don't I don't deal in fraudulent shit. So what um what is it 
you want to research, as I said, I can help you if it's anything that I've been through and you feel as though that, you know, shit, maybe it's what they say is cap. I help you. Uh, I'll show you, you know, that it's not cap. And it's nothing about me trying to glorify anything violent or anything that I've ever done. I'm not about that shit at all. Trust that. That's not my aim in life, you know. But um, I do want to make sure that the youth understand the words that are coming out of my mouth. This is not something... This is not some um, psychologist. This is not some psychiatric. This is not somebody opened up a manila envelope and um, and and giving you solutions. Because it, and it, for me, it would be non-billable motherfucking hours for me to open up your manila envelope and give you solutions. I'm just helping you with my life, the real, and what I've been through in hopes that you make a choice that you won't go through that bullshit and and, and take a lot of families through that bullshit, you know? And that's being real. And with that, I'll be closing. And as I said, like, share, and please pass on. And um, I look forward to uh, sharing more of my life with you in days to come. Thank you.